Thank you, worship team. Uh, good morning, friends. Uh, so good to see you all in this room here. And for those of you watching online, uh, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church here in uh, Queens, New York City. And whether you're joining us on YouTube, on newlife.nyc, on our Facebook page, uh, it is a joy to have you with us as we kick off this Advent uh, season. Now, before we get into our text today, I wanted to uh, let you know every Christmas season as a congregation for the past decade, maybe beyond that, we have received a, a Christmas offering. And we've invited our congregation to pray, to listen to God as it pertains to uh, what uh, specific gifts God might be leading you uh, to potentially give. And this year we have our Christmas offering theme called Deeper and Wider. We want to uh, grow from seeds to branches. And so we want to go deeper into our mission, who we are as a congregation, our values. At the same time, we are continuing to go wider. And so our Christmas offering is going to be for the purpose of support the ministries of our Community Development Corporation, as we always do to support the poor and the marginalized among us in Elmhurst, Queens. Uh, it's going to go towards emotionally healthy discipleship to continue the movement of training pastors and leading churches into this paradigm of emotional health and contemplative spirituality that we've been in for a long time. And for our local congregation at New Life here, this is going to help us move towards really the new future of our congregation where about one year from today, we're hoping to launch a new congregation in the Nassau County area of Long Island. And we are very excited about that, excited to have a, uh, a new multi-ethnic uh, congregation in that space, reaching people for Christ. And so we're very excited about uh, the ways that God is going to lead us to lead people to Christ and to bear witness to his kingdom in a different part uh, of our area. And so with all that, I want to first of all just invite you to be praying. Our goals for the past few years has been, we've received over $500,000 that we've taken. And that's been our goal. And by God's grace and your generosity, every year we have gone beyond that. This year, in light of the craziness of a pandemic, in light of the challenges of our society, we're, we're lowering the, uh, the goal a bit to $450,000. So that's our hope. Uh, what we believe that God could still uh, use us through our generosity to meet that and exceed that. Amen. I believe God could do it for the sake of the mission of our congregation to serve those in our area and uh, beyond outside of Queens as well. So just be praying, open yourself up to God and what God might have you to do. And over the next few weeks, you'll be hearing more about just the Christmas offering and what we are hoping uh, to do in 2021. Now, we are starting a series here, four-week series uh, in the season of Advent through a few chapters in the book of Isaiah, and we're calling it uh, Waiting with Isaiah. Advent, for those of you who are watching online, you might be um, uh, unaware, unfamiliar with the season of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. It's a time in the church calendar of preparation for the coming of Christ our Lord. And the church calendar is actually a beautiful thing because the church calendar helps us to emphasize particular areas of discipleship, particular areas of our spiritual formation in Christ. And so Lent, for example, reminds us that, that we want to place God's way and not our appetites as the guiding principle for our lives, which is why we fast. Easter and Easter tide, the weeks following Easter, calls us to feast 
and to rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pentecost invites us to be filled with God's life because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And Advent really calls us to wait on God, that God is coming. And so we want to wait in preparation for the coming of God in Christ. And so we're going to be journeying through uh, Isaiah, uh, the prophets, and over the next four weeks. And, uh, you know, Isaiah lived 700 years before Christ was born. And it's one of the most beautiful books in the entire Bible. And so I want to encourage you as we are in uh, this Advent season to be reading through the book of Isaiah. But today we have a wonderful text, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse number 2. You can follow in your Bibles on your phone or on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord speaks through Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have increased, enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. For It will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Somebody say amen. Amen. Lord, we open ourselves up to you now and ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us illumination and revelation. Lord, speak to us wherever we're at in our lives, wherever we're watching this from, wherever we're receiving this word from, speak to us now through the power of your spirit. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Advent is a time of waiting, of waiting on God to break forth in this world and offer hope and healing. And all of us, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are or young you are, no matter what your level of education, no matter what your salary, no matter where you live, all of us in this world, we're waiting. We're waiting for peace to come. We're waiting, as John Mayer would say, for the world to change. We're waiting for uh, some form of normalcy to return. We're waiting for a job. We're waiting for a romantic relationship to begin. We're waiting for schools to open back up again. We're waiting for sanctuaries to be filled as it once was. We're waiting for a vaccine to come. We're waiting for God to provide for our needs. No matter who you are in this room or watching online, we're waiting. 
waiting for God to break in. We're waiting. I think of the black poet Langston Hughes and his wonderful words in one of his works where he says, I am so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind. Let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind. We are all waiting for something. And it feels most of the time as if we're waiting in the dark. But this is where Advent begins. The season of Advent always begins in the dark. Every year that we come to this season, we are reminded that darkness is a reality and that we need God to break through the darkness we feel individually and socially with his light. And the good news of Advent is that God works in the dark. God specializes working in the dark. And the greatest moments and revelation in the Bible have come when people have experienced great darkness because God works in the dark. Jonah, for example, was a prophet who God called on, but Jonah went the other way and in his disobedience found himself in the belly of a fish. And it was in that darkness that God revealed himself to Jonah because God works in the dark. The prophet Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal and no one listened to his words and he experienced tremendous darkness. He wrote a book called Lamentations and in his darkness, God reveals himself to Jeremiah because God works in the dark. Elijah, the prophet, was afraid for his life. And while it was night, God comes to him and the sound of a still, small voice. And Elijah gets a revelation of who God is. Why? Because God works in the dark. Job uh, was in darkness, lost everything. And in that space, God visits him. Why? Because God works in the dark. In the book of Exodus, in one of the more famous and central stories of deliverance, it says that God brought his people out, here it is, by night, because God works, amen, in the dark. And if God works in the dark, life is possible when it is dark. Some of you might be feeling darkness today, but life is possible because God works in the dark. Christianity does not promise that when you come to Christ, all your problems go away. As a matter of fact, some of your problems just start beginning. Amen, somebody. Some of you just became a Christian and you're wondering, I thought it was supposed to get better than this. I thought it was supposed to be easy. But sometimes darkness comes after you say yes to Christ. But have no fear because God works in the dark. Oh, you're getting it. You're getting it. You're getting it. In our text today, the people of God are in the dark, but Isaiah the prophet has a word for them. In verse 2, it says, the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
In the first nine chapters of the book of Isaiah, we see why the people of God are in darkness. Why do they find themselves in darkness? The first nine chapters of Isaiah, right before we get to our text today, gives us a clue as to why they found themselves in darkness and why we often find ourselves in darkness. Sometimes we find ourselves in darkness because of nothing we've done, just because life is hard. But then there are times we find ourselves in darkness because of what we have done. This is what we see in the people of God in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah, the first few chapters, we see this repeated cycle that happens over and over again that lands the people of God in darkness. And the cycle looks something like this, which helps us understand how they found themselves in darkness in the first place. And this is a cycle that we often find in our own lives. There's a cycle. It begins with the steadfast refusal to listen to God. That's how Isaiah begins. The Lord says, my people don't listen to me. They've forgotten me. They've forsaken me. They do not listen to my voice. And so it begins with the steadfast refusal to listen to God. Yet, here's the irony of the people of God in the scriptures. Even though they don't listen to God, there is still an unshakable commitment to religious devotion. And it's at this point where I feel very convicted. Because it's easy not to listen to God but still have an unshakable commitment to religious devotion. Going through the movements, going to church, but not opening up your heart to God, not opening your, vo your, your heart to his word, to his voice. And so in the people of God, we see this cycle where there's a steadfast refusal to listen to God. Then there's an unshakable commitment to religious devotion. And over and over again, what we find is this. If your heart is disconnected to God, but you're still going through religious devotion, you're not going to work for a world that's marked by the heart of God. And so what we find is that this results in the people of God in acts of injustice. They're not leading the people well. They're not working for fairness and justice and love because their hearts are far from God, but there's still an unshakable commitment to religious devotion. It results in acts of injustice. And it is in this space where God cries out to his people. God warns them, watch out because judgment is coming. God pleads with them, turn to me. God announces to them, one day things will be made right. And then the process is repeated. They don't listen to God. They continue with their religious devotion. Injustice continues to sweep the land. It's often injustice and idolatry that sweeps the land. And then God warns them. God pleads with them. God announces to them. But I want to focus for, the, for a moment on God announcing to them. Because Advent is about the surprising ways that God breaks into our lives. And what I love about the way that God interrupts through the prophet Isaiah, it's all these words of judgment, it's all these words of exile, and then God sneaks in a promise. He sneaks in a word of hope. And God has a way of interrupting sin and interrupting words of judgment with words of hope and healing. And this is what we need in our day. 2020 has reminded us that something is not right with the world. That the world is still subjected to sin and darkness. 
And we've seen it in the form of political hostility, of racial injustice, of a public health crisis, of division within families, of struggles with addictions. We've seen darkness plague our world. And what we're experiencing is not unfamiliar for the people of God throughout the ages. It's the story of the people of God since ancient times. And so this is the reason why we need the prophets of the Old Testament. This is the reason why we need to listen to the voice and the words of Isaiah, because Isaiah gets a powerful glimpse of what the future is going to be, a future marked by hope and healing, which is to impact the way we live in the present. In the time of Isaiah, the people of God were rebellious and they were about to go into exile because of their rebellion. They turned their back on God, but God from time to time sneaks in a word of hope. Isaiah lets them know you're going to experience pain and heartache and exile because of your rebellion. But, but even though that's what you're going to experience, Isaiah always sneaks it in. I want to tell you that light is coming. That joy is coming. That salvation's coming. That provision's coming. And that's what you need to hear today. Some of you are walking in darkness, but joy is coming. Light is coming. Salvation's coming. Provision is coming. And Isaiah announces that this joy, provision, salvation is coming through a child. It's coming through a child. Over the past year, millions of people have been enamored with a child. And this child came on the scene unexpectedly. And many have been swept up by the impact this child has made in such a short time. This child's name is Baby Yoda. Amen. The Mandalorian is a new Star Wars series on Disney Plus, and it has become the most watched television series in the United States. It's wonderful. It has gripped people, but the character that has stolen the show is known as the child. He actually has a name. It came out this past week. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but he has a name, but he's known as the child. And this child is the center of attention. People want to kill this child. People want to use this child for their own benefit. But this child is the center of the story. And Isaiah gets a vision, not of baby Yoda, but of baby Jesus. He gets a vision 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. And in a moment of rebellion, in a moment where the, where the people of God are going into exile, Isaiah receives a revelation from God. And God says, the world is going to be made right because the child is coming. And so fix your hope on this child. For to us, a child is born, a son is given. And this is what Advent is about. Advent reminds us to put our hope in this child that is to come. Not to put our hope in a political leader, 
Not to put our hope in an economy, not to put our hope in a global power, not to put our hope in a vaccine, putting our hope in the one who is going to come, who will make all things right. And this hope is found in a child who it turns out is actually God. God coming in the flesh. And Isaiah describes what this child will be known by and what this child will do. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When we look at these words here today, I want you to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Because these words here tell us about the Messiah to come. And these words also speak to what we need in this particular moment we find ourselves in, individually and as a society. When we look at this passage, we see attributes of this child. We see what this child will be known by. And these, these attributes describe what has become real in Christ. And what awaits us when Christ fully reigns. And what's available to us right now as we wait for his return. The first power that this child will possess, Isaiah says, is the ability to carry the government on his shoulders. This is what this child will have. And if there's any time where we needed this news, it is now. We live in a time where the political reality is so discouraging and has caused so much division. And what has happened is we have trusted in people to carry the government, to make the world right. And we have been disappointed over and over and over again. And I want to remind you, no matter who is leading, we will be disappointed over and over and over again. Surely good things can happen. Surely we can make progress. Surely some things are, will be positive. But we will ultimately be disappointed over and over and over again because there is not one leader who can carry the government on his shoulders. Or her shoulders. I've been watching The Crown. So uh, yeah, not on her shoulders too. <laughs> Isaiah reminds us, amen. That the only one who can bear the weight of the world on his shoulders is the Messiah who is going to come. He is the one who's going to heal our divisions. He is the one who's going to bring justice and fairness. And so our eyes are to be on the one who is to come. The one who's going to carry the government on his shoulders. And how will he do this? How will he carry the right ordering of the world on his shoulders? Isaiah says, let me give you some words to describe how he's going to rule. First, he says, he's going to have the wisdom to counsel us wonderfully. He'll be known as wonderful counselor. In the child, in the Messiah to come, is found all the wisdom we need. And as we go into a new year, as this year starts coming to an end, and as we think about a new year, there's so many decisions that we have to make that we need wisdom. Should our kids be uh, in school remotely or, or, or should they be in the classroom? Should I stay at my current home 
or should I move? Should I stay at my job or should I look for another? How do I navigate difficult conversations? I don't know about you, but the pandemic and everything else has brought about so many questions that I don't have answers for, that I need God's wisdom to help me navigate through. And Isaiah reminds us that the Messiah is going to be a wonderful counselor. Now, God's counsel comes in so many ways. It comes in the form of friendships. It comes in the form of parents. It comes in the forms of therapists and counselors and social workers. God's uh, wisdom and counsel comes in so many ways. And we need to be listening to God for all the ways that his wisdom comes. At the same time, Advent invites us to open ourselves up to the wisdom that only God can give. There's a wisdom that God speaks at the deepest parts of our soul when we're quiet enough to listen. There's the wisdom that the Holy Spirit deposits when you least expect it. You're wondering what to do, and all of a sudden, a breakthrough of revelation happens from the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom and counsel to make an important decision of your life in your life, but it requires us to open ourselves to God's wonderful counsel. Are you doing that? Advent says, wait on the Lord. Open yourself up to his counsel. For the people of God in Isaiah, in Isaiah 5.21, it says, these people have become wise in their own eyes, which has led them into darkness. But Isaiah says, there is a wisdom that is available to you in the child, in the Messiah, in the Christ. And so Isaiah says he will be able to rule because he has the wisdom to counsel us wonderfully. But then he says he will also be called mighty God, meaning he will have the might to uphold us. And so he has the wisdom to counsel us, but this child also has the might to uphold us. And I don't know about you, but I've needed some upholding the last nine months. Have you ever felt weary, anxious, tired. You're wondering, I don't know if I can do another week like this. I don't know if we can do another month like this. Just tired. And it is in these moments where we look to this God because this child has the might to uphold us. And this is the mystery and the paradox of Christianity. That in this child, listen, this child, when Jesus was born, as a child, he, had, he couldn't pick up a, a loaf of bread. But at the same time, Isaiah says, in this child is found the might to uphold us all. This Christ would grow, would, would grow and, and, and become a man and would heal all kinds of sickness and disease. In him, death would die. In him, storms and winds would cease. And so we are invited to open ourselves up to the mighty power of God because he can uphold you. But here is the reality of Christianity. In order to be upheld by God's might, it requires us to confess our weaknesses. If you are trying to hold yourself up, you forfeit the might that's available to you. But we are invited as people of God to acknowledge our weaknesses so that we can be held up by this mighty God. In this way, Christianity 
is a religion and spirituality and faith for the weak. And we should not apologize about that. Christianity is for weak people. I remember when I became a Christian, and I would tell some friends that, that uh, I became a Christian, I made a decision for Christ, and some friends would say, oh, oh, that's nice, you know, everyone needs a crutch. And I would be offended. What do you mean, need a crutch? And he said, yeah, you need something to, to hold you up. And I would feel offended because I would say, I'm not weak. But I would come to realize that Christianity is only for the weak. And as a matter of fact, Christianity is more than just a crutch. As I've said from this platform, Christianity is more than, Christianity is a stretcher. It's a gurney. It's an ambulance. It's a hearse. Christianity says, you just don't have a limp, you're dead. And the only one who can raise you up to life is God. And so make yourself weak so that you can be upheld by God's mighty power. This is why the church can learn much from Alcoholics Anonymous. Because the first statement for addicts is we have admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. I'm weak. But it is only when you confess your weakness that you can be raised up with God's mighty power. Amen? What are you weak? Where are you weak? Where do you need to confess your weakness? Say, God, I need your help here. I'm tired of trying to figure things out myself. Some of you, your marriages, you've been trying to figure out marriages on your own, and, and, but, but you're weak. You need help. You need some outside help. And not just God. You need some counselors. You need some friends. Some of you have been trying to work through addictions on your own strength. And you fall into sin. You say, no, next time I'll be stronger. Next time. But you're weak. You need help outside of yourself. And Isaiah says, this God will have, this child will have the might to uphold us. And so he has the wisdom to counsel us wonderfully. He has the might to uphold us. And then Isaiah says, he will be called everlasting father. He has the tenderness of a father to father us forever. So he has strength and tenderness. This is our God. And he has the tenderness to father us forever. The greatest revelation you could argue that Jesus brings is showing us what God is like. And what is God like? A tender father. Abba. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a tender God. Some of you have lived under the burden because you have envisioned God to be ruthless. To be tick for tat. To be a God who's waiting to judge you at a moment's notice. And you know you have this conception of God. Whenever things go wrong, you say, it's because God is judging me for something I've done. Can't find a parking spot. Oh, God, but God's judging me. I'm a, I'm, what did I do? What did I do? Sickness comes our way. What did I do? Lost a job. What did I do? And it's often the case that we interpret most of our difficulties because through, through a lens of a harsh God. And yet Jesus reveals his tender God. Isaiah says, he will be our everlasting father. It was A.W. Tozer 
great writer of the 20th century said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I believe that. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Isaiah is saying, this God is going to father us forever. So receive the tender love of God. Receive God's embrace. Receive God's compassion for yourself. Receive God's grace for your life. Because he is a father who will father us forever. Everlasting father. Lastly, Isaiah says he will be known as the prince of peace. And he will rule with a peace to quiet the chaos of our lives. I don't know about you, but I've needed a lot of God's peace in 2020. When the pandemic began, I would routinely, especially the first month from March to April, routinely wake up with nightmares. And most of my nightmares were not about getting COVID. Most of my nightmares was about the COVID test. Amen, somebody. I started hearing stuff was going way out. And I said, how far are they going now? How far are they going? I'm reading too many articles. And I would have all kinds of dreams of worst case scenario. And it led me to just sitting in my chair. Some of you have seen my midday prayers where I sit. And I've had to sit there over and over again to open my hands to God. To say, God, could you send your peace my way? Racial injustice comes in, our, in 2020 in ways that has ravaged our country. I needed to sit down and say, Lord, I need your peace. A public health crisis that we have not seen before. And as I am, uh, you know, not too far from here, hearing ambulances going over and over, back and forth on Queens Boulevard, nonstop. I've had to sit down and say, Lord, I need your peace. And Isaiah says, if you open yourself up, this God has a peace for you. To still your mind, to still your heart, he is the Prince of Peace. The question on this first Sunday of Advent is, what do you need? For some of you, you're saying, I need wisdom. Some of you need might to be upheld. Some of you need God's fatherly, tender love. Some of you need peace. But whatever you need, Advent says, Christ can give it. Christ can give give it. Let me close with this. We are living in a day much like Isaiah 9 verse 2, a people walking in darkness. And it seems as if the powers of sin and death are winning. We see wars, we see division, we see racism, we see poverty, we see disease. But Advent reminds us, brothers and sisters, that no matter how dark it gets, the light will come and the light will dispel the darkness. So listen to Isaiah. The darkness you feel today will not have the last word. 
The anxiety you feel today will not have the last word. The uncertainty you feel today will not have the last word. The anxiety you feel today will not have the last word. Why? Because the people walking in darkness have seen a great light and we have hope. Why? Because God works in the dark. Amen. And so be of good courage in this Advent season because God works in the dark. I want to close with this very short and perceptive quote by the writer Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry once wrote as it pertained to a season of Advent. And he said very simply this. It gets darker and darker and darker. And then Jesus is born. It gets darker and darker and darker. And then Jesus is born. Some of you are wondering, it feels so dark. God must be so far. No, no, no. Advent reminds us the darker it gets, the closer God's coming is. It gets darker and darker and darker. And then Jesus is born. Amen. Let's pray together. Where are you experiencing darkness today? Where do you need to confess? Maybe it's darkness of situation. A darkness that's come about because of sin and rebellion. You not listening to God's voice doing your own thing, making whatever decisions you want to make, and it's cost you? Where are you experiencing darkness today? Advent reminds us, the darker it gets, the closer God's coming is. Do you need wisdom today? Do you need the might of God today? Do you need the tenderness of an everlasting father today? You've been beating yourself up because you can't do things right. And you need tenderness. Do you need peace? What do you need today? We want to open ourselves up to this God who can give us all that we need in this child. Lord, we confess that like the people of God, in Isaiah, we routinely find ourselves walking in darkness, the darkness of a pandemic that we don't know is going to, when is going to come to an end, the darkness of family struggles, the darkness of marital tensions, the darkness of loneliness the darkness of economic hardship, the darkness of emotional anxiety, the darkness of physical unhealth. Lord, it often feels like we are a people walking in darkness, but your word reminds us that the light has come 
and the light is coming. Give us what we need today through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen. Let's all stand together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For some of you in this room and maybe watching online, maybe you've been walking in darkness your entire life and you've not allowed the great light of Jesus to rescue you, to save you, to forgive you. If you're watching, whether you're watching from New York City, watching from another part of our world, the light of God wants to flood your heart. But it requires us to recognize the darkness that you cannot dispel on your own. A new job is not going to dispel the darkness. A new relationship is not going to dispel the darkness. The end of a pandemic is not going to dispel the darkness. Only Christ can dispel the deepest darkness of your soul. And so come to him. Would you come to him today? Would you open yourself up to his life and to his light? That's the invitation for you. And the invitation for all of us in this room to keep coming to Christ and allowing his light to dispel the darkness of our souls. As we close our service today, as Pastor Kate mentioned, uh, at the end here, uh, we'll have a 30-minute uh, sermon discussion time. And so um, right after this, I'm going to go right to my office and open my laptop. And, um, and we'll have 30 minutes just to take Q&A or have people share just what resonated with them. So I'd, I'd love to catch you there for 30 minutes. Uh, I also want to invite you if uh, for our prayer room, there's a prayer room. So if you just need someone to pray for you, we have some folks in our prayer team who would love to pray for you online. And then the invitation, if you've never said yes to Christ and you say, you're saying, I want the light of God to flood my family, flood my soul. We want to help you on that journey. And so to be a Christian is to make a series of decisions for Christ over and over and over again. But it starts with one decision. And if you're sensing God calling to make a decision for Christ, feel free to text uh, yes to Jesus at that number. And one of our pastors will be in touch with you. Uh, for those of us in this room, Pastor Jackie's going to come up after I bless you all and she'll give instructions about dismissal. Uh, but for those of you watching online and this room, wherever you're at, put down that coffee for a moment in the kitchen. I see you and just open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And with your hands in your hearts in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this service and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, receiving the wonderful counsel of God, being upheld by his mighty power. May you receive the tenderness of our everlasting father. May you receive the peace that only comes from the Prince of Peace. 
And may you offer all of these things to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the coming name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.